missed it by that much again. Although it wasn't a series sweep, it was another huge series win for the Yanks over the Mariners. The eighth in their last nine since July 6th. They've won 20 of their last 29 games, and despite adversity constantly slapping them across the face, they continue to fight valiantly for a playoff spot. Joining us today to talk about the recent run is CBS Sports Radio co-host of Tiki and Tierney, Brandon Tierney. Join us, won't you, on a brand new pinstripe pod from the New York Post. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Do us a favor and go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. We do appreciate it. Yankees fan and CBS Sports Radio host Brandon Tierney will join us later in the pod. But first, my God, Nelly, we're going we're gonna to start with positivity. And I might not turn beet red in my face in this episode of the Pinstripe Pod. It's another series victory. They take three out of four from the Mariners. Yes, they had themselves set up for the sweep. And yes, it would have been nice if they did it. But taking three out of four in any series, Jeff, you know, is is hard. Yeah, that's it. I mean, all you have to do is, that's what you said, is is win series. You know, the last four games besides yesterday when they lost, uh, they came back. You know, four games in a row, they came back. They came back every single game against Seattle and beat them. Uh, The Mariners' bullpen just couldn't hold the lead and you know this is a testament to the lineup and the, and the two additions that Brian Cashman added in Gallo and Rizzo I mean you, when you're talking about that lineup it's very difficult especially with now we talked about this yesterday on your BP show that when you have the new rules and the reliever has to come in and face three consecutive guys you can't do really matchups anymore like you used to so when you have a, a balanced lineup like the Yankees have when you go right left right left right left when you have Gallo, Rizzo, and also Odor in there, it becomes very difficult for a righty to come in to face or even a lefty to come in and face three consecutive hitters because you can't make a mistake. And I think you saw that with Seattle when they came in in their bullpen late in the game, even when the Mariners had a lead. We talked about last week that it was going to be a low-scoring game, and it basically was a low-scoring series. And the Yankees came out on top, and they keep winning series. They're going to make some headway, and they did. Unfortunately, the teams that were in front of them, Oakland, Tampa, and also Toronto, the team behind them, all went eight and two as well. So the Boston's the only one that, uh, you know, fell apart, but they just have to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, the Red Sox have been falling apart. And the team, let's just talk about the Jays for a moment, because I texted you yesterday. And after Springer hit that home run, I just said, wow, the Jays have something up there. Being back home in Toronto, the Yankees have their work cut out for them. What Brian Cashman did was great at the deadline, but this is really going to be like down the stretch, a three-horse race, and it's going to be very interesting to watch this unfold as we head down the stretch, especially in the wild card, Jeff. I mean, they have a really good lineup, and when Springer's in there, now they have Dickerson. Dickerson got healthy. He, I think he's won maybe one of the... Not most, but one of the a great un, underrated ball player. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that stays under the radar. And, you know, he was an all-star in Tampa Bay. He did well in Miami. He was hurt when he got traded. Then he just recently got off the IL with Toronto. And I think he's a really impact player. He's a good outfielder, good left at bat, 
runs well, has some decent power, and he adds some balance in the Toronto Blue Jays lineup. And then you got Barrios and also Ryu at the top of the rotation. You had Brad Hand in the back of the bullpen. You know, this is a really good team. And, you know, I even thought in the beginning that they're going to have to watch out for the Blue Jays. And with their additions, you're definitely going to have to watch out for them. It's going to be an interesting race. I mean, the Red Sox are going to get sale back. Maybe that's an uptick for them. And as far as a lift for them, you're going to go through some ups and downs during the season. And the Red Sox just happened to hit a hit a speed bump, but they'll get right back into it. They have a good enough lineup. They had a good enough team that it's going to be a really good race in the East and even in the wild card. Yeah, I, I got to give my partner a lot of credit because before the Blue Jays even made a move, uh, it was Nelly who was telling everybody on this podcast that despite their standing, it was going to be the Jays that were going to make a run uh, along with the Yankees. So kudos to you for that. I'll give you the tip of the cap there, Nelly. Uh, but Gallo, uh, you brought up the new guys that Brian Cashman brought in. Of course, Rizzo was the latest Yankee to go down on the COVID IL. So that's been an issue with this team lately. And it appears like we're getting a new player every fourth or fifth day with that incubation period. And it all started, I know Aaron Boone said, you know, we were just in Florida and there's a lot of cases down there. But let's not forget the Yankees had six, six players after the All-Star break, and it might just be working its way way through the clubhouse. I'm sure you've seen like flus or sicknesses run through your fair share of clubhouses in the past, and it's very easy for this to do the same thing, Jeff, and that's what the Yankees seem to be going through right now. Yeah, they had this before they even got to Florida, and I was talking when, because I covered that series down in Miami, and I was talking to a lot of the guys, well, some of the coaches and and the trainers with the Yankees, and see, a lot of them had that one shot, the J&J, so not as effective but at least they got it and the symptoms. And then again, it's like the flu. I mean, you get a flu shot, you still have a chance to get it and it's not going to be as bad. You can get over it quickly. And same with this, uh, this Delta variant or whatever they're calling it. And, you know, whatever airline is next. <laughs> to uh, come into COVID. But you're right. I mean, you're, you're probably going to reach some more players that are going to have it. You had Sanchez a couple days ago and then Rizzo. I mean, you don't want to lose these guys because, you know, now you all of a sudden get Voight and Voight, his swing is just not there. He's not been able to get into a rhythm at all this year. Uh, obviously, I, it's, it's got to affect the player when your name's been out there and the Yankees wanted to trade you because you just acquired a first baseman. Man. You know what, Jeff? Uh, let me stop you right there because I want to ask you, if you were pitching, if you were Yusei Kikuchi on Sunday and you saw Luke Voigt swinging, I mean, you could see that Kikuchi was elevating his fastball because Voigt couldn't get his timing down with his leg kick and then he was uppercutting. So we always hear about reading swings. Uh, I'd be very curious as to see if, if you saw that too, being a relief pitcher yourself. Well, a computer doesn't have to tell me anything about how to face some of these guys. And, you know, nowadays you're seeing more and more swings and misses in the top of the zone and because they're teaching this launch angle you know when they used to teach hitting it was hitting down on the ball and, and you're getting that backspin and it's still going to hit go out of the park but you know you didn't see a lot of swings and misses it was very hard to get outs upstairs or get swings and misses upstairs because they they, they saw it better and they laid off of that pitch uh, you're usually trying to expand the zone you're trying to pitch a little bit more and reading little swings a lot more. Now you're getting ahead of guys. You don't even have to get ahead of guys. You're throwing letter high, even higher. And you, the side angle that these guys are missing the pitches are almost by a foot because they're trying to lift the ball in the air. And that's why you're seeing all the strikeouts. Uh, you know, the home runs are not, I would, you know, I don't know the stats, but I would imagine that the home run now compared to when I played are no different as far as how many 
are, are going out of the ballpark. But the averages, obviously, are not near what they were when I played. They're a lot lower now, and the strikeout rate is a lot lower. You know, you see the shift because everybody's pull happy, or and, and it's just it's just a bad way to teach hitting. It's a bad baseball way. And then with the leg kick, I mean, we were always taught if you slide step, you see a lot of guys with leg kick. Glaber Torres, you look at Voight. Anybody that has a leg kick, if you tried to mess up their rhythm at all and slide step, they were done. I remember facing Ruben Sierra. Ruben Sierra had a really high leg kick, and he was a really good hitter. And, and he used that leg kick as timing, just like as a pitcher, to get balance and everything. I used to slide step on him all the time. And it just throws off the rhythm. And, you know, you may throw 93, 94. And the next thing you know, it's probably looking 98 to him because he can't get into that rhythm. And he has to try to start his swing quicker. And that's just not the way those guys hit. And Kikuchi, you can do basically the same thing. I mean, he's got a really good changeup, threw a fastball in on righties. And, and then he just climbed the ladder. And I mean, he's throwing, what, 93, 94, maybe? And he's getting it by, guys. It's just because of this launch angle stuff. It's a terrible way to go about things. And I talk to all these fans, like, what are these guys doing? uppercutting every they're teaching them to hit pop-ups hit pop-ups they don't teach hitting down on the baseball anymore and it's just what the computer says and it's absolutely ridiculous and, and amazing uh susan that uh they're teaching uh, to strike out instead of hitting at the double plays and they lead the majors in double plays yeah, exactly. uh, that's baseball uh anyway i mean i'm just it, it's hilarious how everything is shaking out it's funny i went to the game the other day and i went up to say hi to susan because tino martinez and myself did some appearance in the, at the batter's eye i think it was thursday and it was funny we we're both mariners and we're doing it at the mariner game so I thought, <laughs> you can't even get I, I think i was on there for uh, the top of the first or bottom of the first and you know with john you can't even get a word by the time he's asking me a question the inning's freaking over he talk so much. <laughs> well it's good that you got in there though that's pretty cool but i started to bring up joey gallo and he had his uh, big first big yankees moment and it came right after Marcus Timms, his hitting coach, uh, met the media. He went out there, had a couple of doubles in the go-ahead home run. That was on Thursday night. And uh, it was just nice to see Gallo get off the deck because he was like the anti-Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo was just on fire, driving in runs in every game that he played when he first got here. And Gallo got got off to a slow start. To be fair, Rizzo was uh, starting a, a hot hitting streak when he was still with the Cubs. And Gallo was struggling with Texas when he got traded to the Yankees. But it was nice to see Gallo get that home run and get his team a win on Thursday night it was you know it's got to be tough to come to a new team and you know with Texas and Chicago I mean Rizzo's been there before as far as winning the World Series and competing in the playoffs uh, but Gallo hasn't you know Texas have been a, a cellar dweller for years and, and they've not been a very good team and all of a sudden you're coming to a pressure situation not nearly what it used to be at, at old Yankee Stadium when you had the you know maybe a higher level of, of media presence of Mr. Steinbrenner but you know you're still coming to a pressure situation it's got to be tough I mean you have you have two trades that the Yankees made both power left-handed hitters and you know very good defenders and you're trying to make a statement you're seeing the other guy do it and you're saying okay i gotta try to you know contribute either as well and all of a sudden the pressure becomes greater and you could see that he, he was really pulling he's got a lot going on in that batter's box anyway i mean you know he's dancing all around shaking his booty i, I don't know what's going on <laughs> every in, time i see him in there ever, ever since you said that i've been like, watching oh it God. i've been watching it intently now and every time he gets up all i hear is bob euchre saying parkman's doing his little shimmy it drives the women in <laughs> yeah. 
cameras. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, it, it's the same thing. Uh, but yeah, he's great. It's nuts. I I don't know what's going on, but uh, let's. And then let's he get... dropped down a bunt yesterday. He's like, yeah, he right, did. Going to take a shift. He yeah, dropped but, the bunt down. But you know what? With two outs and Stanton on deck, that wasn't a bad play. I know a lot of people would get on him for doing that, but if they're no, it give... wasn't. No, it's a it's a great play. You're down a run. Get on and get Stanton up there, and let's see if something happens. But as we all know, nothing happened, and away we go. He had a meeting with the uh, the uh, analytic department after that bunt, though. <laughs> he was he was uh, brought into the principal's office, as it were. Yes, uh, yeah, Luis exactly. Luis Heal, though he had another dominant game on Sunday. He's got eleven innings uh, in his major league career now, just six hits, no runs, fourteen strikeouts. He was the beneficiary of an outside uh, the strike zone called uh, strike three. I forget who it was. It might have been uh, Dylan Moore, if I'm not mistaken. But he got bailed out with the bases loaded. So that that was a good thing for the Yankees, although Kikuchi got a couple of generous calls as well. So it was balanced out, and at least there was a little consistency with Blue on Sunday. But he gets optioned after the game, and that could be because Luis Severino is making one more rehab start before rejoining the Yanks. He was part of a combined no-hitter in Somerset in his last outing, four perfect innings for Severino. Now, the Yankees have a good problem once again. Now, we, we talked about the good problem with having Rizzo and not being able to trade Voight. Uh, now with Rizzo down with COVID, obviously you have Voight in there to replace him at first base. And now with Severino on the way back and the way Heel has been dominating, and it all ties back into, Jeff, what you were talking about. If you watch a lot of his strikeouts, he gets that fastball up in the zone and his slider and his changeup play brilliantly off it, but that fastball up in the zone, it's so hard to lay off of, especially when you're behind in the count. It looks so good, and with that uppercut swing, with that side angle that you're seeing the replays, they're missing the ball by a foot. That's why this guy's been so dominant, and I know you hate the radar gun, but he's up there with that fastball, and I think that's why he's been so successful. But the Yankees have a good problem. They could bring him back up. He could enter the rotation again. He's a piece that they could continue to use in spot starts, and he's a dominant piece. And between him and this guy, Steven Ridings, where the hell has this guy been all season? Honest to God. And Jeff, I don't know if you've noticed it. In his combined no-hitter down in Scranton, he closed it out. And the video shows him just being very reserved on the mound. I don't know if it was him like punking his teammates or not just showing any emotion. But I think he's got that makeup to pitch in the Bronx. I don't know. But Heel and, and Ridings have been really good. They were, and it's it's great to see. You know, you always look for somebody in the minor leagues or someone or some people in the minor leagues to come up and step up, and they did, and they need it. With Cole Montgomery going down, the bullpen, you had the, the bullpen day when you had nine guys on Friday, uh, and they were outstanding. You know, I, I'm not a fan, but they had to do it. You know, so you, you had to figure out, okay, what kind of arms did you have? And, you know, I saw Aaron Boone say, hey, all these guys came in my office and said, hey, I'm ready to go the next day, which is always a big plus because a lot of a lot of guys now say, oh, I need an off day after an inning. But that wasn't the case. So now the Yankees have options. You looked at Garcia, who has really struggled and almost probably out of favor right now, Davey Garcia with the Yankees. Now you have Heel. I mean, Heel's thrown two outstanding outings and his presence, it looks really Really great out on the mound, confident. That's what I was going to say. He's got moxie. He's got confidence. He goes out there like he belongs. He got into that situation with that error from Voight, which was a tough error on Voight because he did what he was supposed to do. He fielded the ball. He threw it to second base, and no one was there to catch it. That's really not Voight's fault. But that really could have crumbled heel. Uh, he did walk a batter after that. It took him a while to get his focus back. Matt Blake came out, talked to him, and I think that was the right move at the right time because he has been known to go off the rails down at Scranton. 
right after his six innings in that combined no-hitter down there with ridings, he uh, hit two batters and walked four, only lasted an inning and a third his start after that. So it was nice to see Heal show that confidence, as you just alluded to, Nelly, and he was able to get through that inning and get through another five innings of uh, not allowing a run. So just a brilliant job by Heal. Yeah, it was, you know, again, really good slider, change up, good fastball, good mound presence, and uh, it was nice to see. And Severino coming up, you know, again, he, we're probably going to see five innings. I don't know how many pitches that they he got up. But, I think 60. I think yeah. 60. And so that's going to not, that's not even be five. I mean, you're again, taxing your bullpen. I know you want Severino back. The rehab process used to be different as well. If you weren't up to 100 and 110 pitches and you weren't coming back, I mean, you had to at least go deep into the game. And because you, it wasn't one of those, oh, you know, we're going to let you build your pitch count up in the big leagues. That just wasn't the case. Yeah, and we've seen it. I mean, you these guys need 80 to sometimes uh, circumnavigate four innings for crying out loud. So yes. who, the hell, who the hell knows? You might they, see three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know. But that's my concern. Before we get to our guest, Brandon Tierney, I just wanted to lob this one up for you, Jeff. And that is, you know, with Cole still out, with Montgomery still out, but they're on their way back from the COVID IL. Uh, They should be rejoining the team later this week, uh, hopefully. And uh, you would think with them coming back, some things would start to work out with the Yankees in their rotation. But until they get back, especially with Chapman now on the IL with elbow pain, that's not that's not a good sign when you have elbow pain in your throwing arm. So my question to you is, my concern, they're playing great baseball right now. They've won at this point as we tape this year on Monday before they start their series in Kansas City, 20 out of the last 29 games. They've got the best record going back to July 6th in Major League Baseball. But my concern, Jeff, is by September, the bullpen might be a little overtaxed as they head down the final month, the final stretch to try to get a postseason spot. That's my concern the bullpen as we head down the stretch. What about you? Yeah, a little bit. You, you know, you look at uh, Lewisga's thrown really well. Uh, you know, he closed out. He's got four saves. I don't see, you know, I, I'm sure they'll use Chad Green at some point in the ninth inning. I don't see him as a closer. I would stay, I would probably stay away from him and use him more as a setup guy in that seventh, eighth inning role. I would try to mix in Britain. Britain's done it before. He's starting to throw the ball a little bit better. Maybe he's getting his confidence and his arm strength back. And and he's been a he's been a closer before, and he can handle that. I, I probably would go more towards him and leave Green and Lawizaga in as the setup guy, seven eighth inning guy. But you're right. You know, you always have to be careful. Some of these guys are wind up getting tired. You know, they do take care of them a little bit more than they used to. You know, they don't throw two days in a row very often, but they're going multiple innings on cases because they'll need it. And but the thing of it. Is, is is now you're bringing up Severino and that that's going to be a problem because you know you said 60 pitches maybe he goes 70 75 the next outing and that could be four that could be five and I doubt very often it's going to be six so you're asking a guy to build his pitch count up in the big leagues when you really can't afford to do that well coming up for the Yankees they have three with the Royals starting today Monday as we tape this new edition of the pinstripe pod it's eight o'clock Monday eight o'clock Tuesday and then a 2 p.m game on Wednesday before they they head to Dyersville, Iowa for the Field of Dreams game. I don't know about you, Nelly, but I'm really looking forward to that. They have three with the White Sox. It's Thursday and then a Friday off day so they can get to Chicago after that game in Dyersville. And then uh, they play Saturday and Sunday against Tony LaRusse's ball club, a team that they swept earlier this season back at the stadium. So a busy week once again for the Yankees. It's a stretch of 17 straight games without a day off. 
The Rays play the Red Sox Tuesday through Thursday, so they'll beat the hell out of each other. The Yanks are getting ground in the East and in the wild card there. And coming up next, chat about all this with the Yankees fan and CBS Sports Radio host Brandon Tierney right here on the Pinstripe Pod. As promised, joining us now, Brandon Tierney. He's the co-host of Tiki and Tierney, 3 to 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Radio and the CBS Sports Network. He's also the St. John's Basketball Radio Color Analyst. You know, a lot of Yankee fans out there, I don't know how many times, BT, they've been Pacinoed from Godfather 3. Every time you think they're out, they pull you back in. Well, they're doing it again. So do you have any concerns now that they're on this run? I mean, I know it's all positive right now. They're making a little run here. They're inching up in the division. They're inching up in the wild card, but they're dealing with some injuries. They're dealing with some COVID ILs. What's your feeling about the team right now? Well, complete 180. I mean, you go back and you check my timeline, guys, from early in the season. And and I was just, I was crushing Cashman. I mean, the way they entered the season, you want to have that kind of a payroll and that kind of ill fit. I mean, righty sticks everywhere. Where's the lefty power? All these things I'm sure you guys have hammered throughout the summer that have been rectified. Now, of course, Rizzo's on, on the IL, as you mentioned, and, and Gallo's here. And I know Hicks went down. But for a large part, I mean, the only lefty you try out there is Brett Gardner, which is compl- – and I love her. I respect him. But let's, let's be real. I mean, the guy should be a fifth outfielder, a pinch runner, and maybe once a week is when Brett should play. Watching them play baseball, really since Rizzo joined the team, it's been such a transition. And, you know, Jeff played with some really, really good fielding first base. Tito can pick it. Um, obviously, that's that Teixeira, really good first baseman. But there's something about just having that smooth, polished lefty over at first base. And I remember one of, there was a, it was an attempted bunt. I don't know which player, but somebody, you know, showed, showed bunt, showed the hands in, in Tampa. And Rizzo was like seven feet from the plate, like Keith Hernandez used to do back in the day. I mean, I, I, I have not just charging the anticipation. It looks like a baseball team now. You got speed. You're, there's better usage of, of the bench. I, I don't love that Allen was sent down, but, you know, he injected some, some dynamic elements. And, and I, I just think that this is a very interesting finish because I remember saying about two months ago, eh, maybe a little less than that, when the Red Sox were rocking, and I was telling people on my national show, hey, guys, no, no disrespect, Boston's playing out of their minds, but you look at some of the really deep, advanced numbers. Analytically, they're overachieving. And I, I did think that they would kind of come back a little bit. Answer's good. We know that the Blue Jays picking up for real. That was a really good move for Minnesota. You know, but it, there's a lot of variables down with the Yankees. When's Cole coming back? What, what does he look like when he comes back? When's Rizzo coming back? What's up with Sanchez? You know, he, we could have issues there. So, in all, uh, they, they have found a way to give us, and more importantly themselves, a season again. But there's still some unknowns. But, boy, for a while, it was bleak. It was, just, it was unacceptable for a while you know that's what i wanted to ask are there too many ifs you, you know just mentioned all this nobody can really stay healthy they really haven't been healthy as a whole team and now they have chapman down is there too many f's for them to o- overcome and try to overtake yeah boston's going down but they're going to get sale back and they have overachieved but with alex core as their manager I, I don't see them dropping off and then you have toronto on their heels oakland you have tampa bay which i was really surprised about as well i really didn't give them credit at all is there too many ifs for the yankees to overcome to try to you know get a playoff spot yeah jeff nelly love even the flat top was pretty sweet back in the day <laughs> love nelly big nelly jack that frisbee slider good big fan dude and 
uh, for those who don't know, I used to do some work with Nelly, so it's good yes. to reconnect, man. I think that if this was earlier in the season, I'd have less concern. Uh, listen, more real estate could mean more problems if you're not a good team, but more real estate also means the larger margin for error. You get your guys back, you make moves. Yanks have made all the moves they're going to make, deadline step. And I think that there's just very little wiggle room. They've been playing such good baseball, such pressurized baseball, basically tenant baseball, out of necessity for the past month or so. And when you grind, not that this team doesn't have the ability to grind, they've shown that, but grinding for one month or, you know, five weeks is very different than having to grind for nine or ten weeks out of necessity based on your own slow start and circumstance. So I would, in a long about way there, Jeff, I would say yes, provided everything that we just touched on is nothing more serious than a slight interruption. I know that I'm not worried about Cole coming back, but which, which Cole we get? Are we getting the fully dominant Cole, or are we getting the, the you know the guy who's who was shelled in Tampa when we're going for the sweep a couple of weeks ago? I, I don't know. When Rizzo comes back, and obviously I'm not a doctor, but for somebody who battled cancer as he so gamely did, are, are the you know the COVID symptoms and and the uh, the effect amplified? I, I don't know. So these are things I, I I'd love to give you more definitive answers to, but at least there's options. There's a lot of arms in the bullpen. The other night, I guess that would have been Saturday. Nine arms were used. I mean, that was, oh, that may have been Boone's finest moment. I'm not a huge Aaron Boone fan, but that was expertly done. So you, you mix in that, and you just like to see him pop a few more bombs, man. You know, you don't like to constantly go into these 0 0 1 1 2 2 games in the eighth and ninth inning. Now, it builds character, it shows resolve, uh, it shows fundamentals, it shows the propensity to win those kind of games. But, you know, let's get a couple 7 2 8 2 lampers here where you get two or three bombs. So if that comes, will be good. Well, that's that's what you have to look forward to if if you get to the postseason because those are the games that you're going to be playing in the postseason if you're lucky is those 2-1, 3-2 games. But, uh, you know, I just tweeted yesterday after Glaber slid into second and hurt his thumb, we can't have nice things because Glaber's starting to heat up and now he's going to get an MRI in his thumb and Aaron Boone said there's some concern there. So every time you think that they're they're taking a step forward, it's kind of like they take two steps back. But BT, every time this happens, they seem to rise to the occasion and they seem to get over the hump. I'm just I'm wondering when they're not going to be able to get over the hump because there's a lot of moving parts. Chapman's back on the IL. You got the COVID to deal with with Rizzo. Who's going to be the next one to be out for 10 days? And is it going to happen right before the playoffs if, you, if you're blessed to get into the playoffs with another key player that you need and you're going to be without him for 10 days there? So there's just like Jeff said, like you said, there's a lot of ifs. And let me ask you this. Are they a playoff team? Do you see them getting into the postseason? I do. I, I, I do see them getting into a playoff situation. I don't think they'll win the division. I think that that's, you know, far at this point too ambitious for giving, you know, I mean, not that they're not within shouting distance, but I don't know, five, six, whatever it is. You know, that's, uh, and the schedule has softened, so you've got to look at that. That's nice. And put it this way, if they were fully healthy, I would still have the division firmly on the table. But I, I think you've got to incorporate, you know, what we've discussed and, and try to project reasonably. Listen, I'll tell you what, guys. We could sit here and we could do this podcast for seven hours. Four reasonably intelligent, you know, passionate, informed baseball fans. At the end of the day, we don't know. Because we could be in a situation where, you know, let's say, I don't know, September 21st, and they're two and a half behind the, the, the Red Sox or the Rays or whomever to the division. And so-and-so comes down with COVID. You know, I, I, so I it, it's such a guess, and it's such a, a random time in sports 
I will tell you this, though. Uh, I know it's been a little bit better, but, you know, can DJ LeMahieu go on a four-month or a three-month binge where he hits 380, 390? I mean, to have seven home runs in that ballpark. Now, I know he's not a home run hitter. I, I trust you. I, I know what DJ is. But, man, he has uh, he has been a really soft, wherever he is, 270-something, really soft average. And disappointing, man. So, you know, all these, these cycles of, you know, first picks going down, and then, you know, Voight going down, and Urshela going down, and Judge going down, and Sanchez going down. I mean, LeMayhew is not your prototypical, let me put the offense on my back for two-week kind of a guy, because he's not a home run guy. But I don't know about you guys. I need some more from DJ LeMayhew. I mean, if, if we're going to, you know, basically count him as, as we did as like a right-handed Rod Carew for a couple of years, let's go on a little run here. I mean, it's, it's kind of time. What are you waiting for? Yeah, I think there's something going on with him. I think there's, I think he's hurt. He he comes across to me as a very quiet player, from what I hear and what I've seen, you know, up close. I think he comes across, uh, you know, he signed that contract. And I think he's like an old school guy that he wants to play through stuff. I think there's something going on because this, you know, he's hit well in Colorado and everybody's like, oh, that's Colorado. But then he does come over to New York in the American League and, and continues that streak. So I think there's something going on there. I mean, because he is a 20 home run guy. I mean, he can put the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, he has that potential, but, you know, he's just not doing it this year. And, and I'm not a big, you know, BT, I'm not a big analytical guy. I think it's, I think there's room for it, but I think it's kind of, it's killing the game. And all of a sudden, you know, as much, as many moves as Cashman did make that has been great. You know, the one that I scratched my head a little bit, maybe there's a couple of them. The Haney move, I really don't understand, you know, why they went out and they got him. But also Jonathan Davis, he might be a great kid. But you had Floreal, you had Allen that infused some young energy in that lineup and, and in that locker room and in the dugout. And next thing you know, you sign a kid that's hitting 141 and he's your right-handed guy, uh, you know, in the outfield now. And when you have a left-handed on the mat, left-handed on the mound, he's batting ninth. And I'm like, what's going on? Why are they doing that? I don't know. Uh, but I, you know, even before the Yankees started winning championships, you go back to the early 90s and, you know, you I, I like, I, even though the Yankees are supposed to match, we know the Yankee history, put the ball in the seats and, and bludgeon people to death. And that's fun to watch. And they generally do that. But even, you know, go, as I said, go back to the early 90s, they've had a, a, like a, an under the radar spark plug. You had like an Andy Stankowitz. I'm not saying he was an incredibly gifted player, but he was a gritty guy. Then you had like, you know, Andy Fox. Again, the numbers, if you didn't see him play, you're just like, well, he, he probably wasn't that good. But if you saw him play, there was an energy. Homer Bush, I like to have the last guy or even the last two guys, depending upon the bullpen situation, on my roster with obviously positional flexibility. You know, play a couple of all, all, four, all three outfield spots. But somebody that can run, man. And I, I forget who made the – I think it was Chris. And it was a good point because while I like to see the Yankees, you know, start putting up some crooked numbers again and just to win comfortably a few times for the bullpen, for other reasons as well, to alleviate some pressure. These are the kind of games you have to win. And these are the kind of games historically that the, the, the most recent iterations of the Yankees have always lost. Now, you go back to Nelly's team and, you know, Paul O'Neill's giving you, if he has to, a 12 or 15, well, 15 pitches a ton, but 12 pitches back. Tino, grinding. Ernie, grinding. You know, Bobsy in the night of grinding. I mean, it, it, that's what you need. When you go up there and, you know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not trying to diss the guy, although I, I, I like his approach better lately. But when you go up there and John Cardinal Stanton, you know, wins at the first two pitches, it's 0 2 one 2 and then, you know, he can still do damage, but that, you're pushing the odds against you. You, like, the Yankees just don't work too often. 
in October, don't work the count enough. They don't go from first to home on doubles. You never see the hit and run. I know we're not dropping punts, but geez, there's got to be a, a an in-between fundamental approach like all these other teams have that win championships and get the World Series. So I get it, and I'm with you, Nelly. Didn't like that roster move either. To me, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of rewarding. There's an element of projection that is inevitable. I get that. But when you have a young man who fits like Allen, I think we're at five or six steals, this immediate palpable injection of energy. I could keep the kid in uniform. And the other thing that bothers me, you know, and again, you know, Cashman's delivered, well, 96 with Watson, but then you go 98, 99, 2000. I mean, you're talking four World Series in, in, in that short span, and really 01 could have been another one. And then, of course, 09, that's a lot of winning. I'm, I'm not trying to come across as greedy or unthankful, but when you have a payroll of over $200 million, you should not have to mid-season, out of desperation, you know, make these huge moves. And yes, I get it. The Cubs are paying for Rizzo. Uh, the Rangers are paying uh, for Gallo. The Rangers are paying for Gallo. I'm not saying that you're wasting money, but this building mid-season, it just shows you that the plan was poor. And I don't think that it's just the beginning of the season, to Nelly's point. I, I think it also points to some of the in-season moves that have had people like us scratch our heads. If you produce, I mean, I'm from the school of meritocracy. If you're doing your job, you belong to stay. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, BT. And another one of those guys that you brought up is is Cody's dad, Clay Bellinger. He he played a big role on some Yankees teams as well, and he did exactly what you said. He injected some life. He could run. He could play the outfield position. So I, I agree with you. And since Nelly brought it up and since we're talking about it, and Nelly made this point on our last podcast after I went absolutely ballistic about this move with Allen, and that was the fact that Jonathan Davis was with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are making a hell of a run right now. And if they DFA a guy and they're making a run, why in the world is Greg Allen at Scranton batting 270 at the major league level with an on-base of like 420, I think it is. And he did have five steals, as you said. But my goodness, I, I just don't understand it. The analytic department, is that them? Is that I don't know what the hell is going on. But I, I'm with you. If you're succeeding at the major league level, you're rewarded with staying. You don't get shipped back to Scranton. It doesn't make any sense. That's the way it should always be. But we've gotten further and further away from that. Hey, by the way, it's not just, you know, the young kid who, you know, has a good couple of weeks who obviously belongs to stay like Allen. But it also goes, and you guys know about this, it's now extended years ago, you know, to the Uber prospect who, you know, you see these now changing a little bit. Acuna got a big deal. Tatis got a big deal. But remember, Chris Bryant has held out the first seven, eight games, of, you know, to, to keep the extra year. Like, there's just too many games that go on in baseball. Can you imagine, you know, us watching the Jets and the Giants or, or the Knicks or the Nets, so local teams here, and, you know, a young kid doing his job and, and doing it well, and the fans beginning to gravitate to, to the energy that he's brought, and all of a sudden he's gone. He's playing for the Westchester Knicks. So like, what the hell's going on here? And I, and I know that the rosters are different, but fundamentally the premise shouldn't change. I'm with you. BT, it's Jake here. Good to have you on. We got four bald men and one podcast. This could be its own show on its own. <laughs> how, to, how to Lose Your Hair in 10 Days, uh, starring yep. us. Um, yep. Happy birthday, by the way. We didn't shout out early. We got to say happy birthday to Chris Sheeran, who didn't let us know until after we finished the first segment that he is 48 today. Aren't you 48, BT? I am. Same age. Sheeran, happy birthday, dude. Is it today? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Happy I appreciate birthday, it. man. Happy birthday. Wow. Let me ask Chris, do you feel 48? Uh, no. Uh, no. My shoulder I said does. I look 58. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes. My sh- 
My shoulder feels 58, but the rest of me feels absolutely 100% fine. I hear you. I, I, you know, people, people say, well, it's a state of mind. Well, I mean, yes, it is, but until the average life expectancy goes from like 87 to 102, you know, 48 <laughs> is still 48. So, uh, you know, let, let's not get it that twisted, but I, uh, I hear you, man. Happy birthday. You feel good. You look good. You try to stay active. I played golf yesterday. Same age, dude. I'm getting ready boy. to jump on the bike. You know, yeah, it's all good, dude. I, you start getting wrapped up. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if, maybe if we had hair, we'd look younger. I don't think I look 48. <laughs> well, I think that's, a, well, that's think the I thing. Look- when you're bald, 48 looks like 38. So I'm looking for, I'm 30. So in 15 years, when I'm 45, I'm hoping to look 35. That's the goal because they can't tell. Now, well, not, hold no, on. That's not going to happen. Well, <laughs> No. I don't. I don't know about Jake, uh, but BT Nelly and I have already admitted to the mullet. So, did you have one of those too before you lost the hair, or no? No, man. No, you know a true story. My hair. All right. So I was the only. I had like this real curly hair, curly, right, which I couldn't stand. And you know, growing up playing a lot of basketball, you know, in in, in the late eighties and the nineties, like the look was the flat top, right? So I would go and I would get a flat top, you know, get get like. Uh, you know, like a shamrock in my or lines in my head. They're in the nice. Cool. nice. And it will put out, but but the flat top would be gone in a day because immediately it would start to curl. And I'm like, man. <laughs> so I really, even in, I look back at like old college pictures in my uniform, I, I had like the Brady Anderson look or the 90210 look. I had the sides always tight, really tight. These little sideburns in terms of what I could grow. And like the top was like gelled and curly, but no, I never had the mullet, man. I'm from Brooklyn. There's no well, way you, I'm gonna have you had the curly hair. Now, did I did I see a picture? You look like kind of like Greg. You had the Greg Brady look for a while. <laughs> With the curly hair, uh, not not that dissimilar. Yeah, a little bit Brady. Barry Williams. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or, yeah, or I'll give you this Or I I could even say maybe a little screech. From uh, not quite like that, but I know I know. I'd stick with Barry Williams if oh, I were listen, you. Rest in rest in peace. Screech did pass yeah, away at, at a young age, but we got to close with this because another thing we didn't mention that we had to. Nelly always gives me crap for firing the TV screen in some way, either on the jumbotron at a game or behind home plate in good seats at a Met game. Well, Nelly was the yeah. one on the front of the TV screen, sitting with Tracy Morgan at Friday's Yankees Mariners game. So, Nelly, we need Saw to hear, hear your experience sitting next to Tracy. What was that like? Well, hopefully we can get him on because he said he would come on the show. And he gave me his number and he did text me back, said, OK, so maybe this Thursday. But, you know, he he's a really good guy. I don't think he drinks at all. And he's just uh, I, I don't he grew up in the Bronx, worked at the old Yankee Stadium, used to sell bats and waters and helmets and, you know, uh, sodas. Uh, back in uh, back in the day when he was younger. But what a great, I mean, hit guy will talk your ear off. I mean, he was telling me about Eddie Murphy. He was telling me about his ex-wife. He was telling you, you name it. I heard it in all about a 20 minute span. And uh, I mean, what a great, what a great guy. And he talked about Lauren Michaels, how he was like a next, you know, a, a father figure to him. And then all of a sudden getting hit by the, the Walmart truck and almost dying. So he, Packed in a lot of information in in about fifteen to twenty minutes. So you know, I'm looking forward to getting him on because he's a huge Yankee fan, loves the Yankees, talked about that a lot. But uh, well, he was a great guy. Wow, well, you got to be on the front screen. Well, but here's the thing. But but Jake, now now I know that was but Jake. Hold on, the the original premise. I I do notice this trend on Instagram by you. I'd say the last 
couple of months here. I don't mean touting your accomplishments and how you're moving up in the business. That's great. But, oh, look at me. I caught a ball here. Oh, look at me. I got another ball there. Oh, look at me. I'm on the jumbotron here. Uh, you know, uh, Listen, listen, listen. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And then he wears the same shirt every freaking time, BT. Let me defend myself (laughs) here. First off, I caught the one ball, which is the home run. Jacob DeGrom's only 0-2 home run ever given up. The first ball I've gotten. We caught it off the steps. Okay, well, it was the first ball I got in over 400 games I've been to, and it was the first ball I ever got. So that was a cool accomplishment for the thousands of money I've put into the Mets going to games uh-huh. to get a ball. So that was a thing. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I like to have a good time. I'm, I'm 30, single, no kids, no responsibilities. So why not go to the park and dance on the Jumbotron, uh, Tierney? Well, let me hold on. Now. And he was also with one of his 50 Bumble dates that <laughs> night and didn't even give her the ball. I was going to say, if he thinks he's having fun as a 30-year-old guy single now, imagine being 30 and single and no cameras to catch what we're doing. That's uh, what we did. It'd be miserable. <laughs> it no, wouldn't be miserable for Jake because then he wouldn't be able to get any screen time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true, too. That's true. Uh, hey, Melvin, let, let me ask Kelly something real quick. So, the 96 game, I was there. I was in the upper deck. I was. I, was, I, I actually could not quite see Charlie Hayes squeeze that, all right? And it's funny because and, – and, and Sharon can relate to this. We're the same exact age. So, growing up, Yankees win 77-78. I was too young to remember it. I mean, I know everything that happened, but I didn't watch it. 81 World Series, I remember. I was locked in. I was playing Little League. We lose to the Dodgers. Then we go through this whole run. Obviously, 94 canceled. 95 wild card. Griffey, of course, was first on the double. The thing that got me through that whole thing was Mattingly, who's my all-time idol. Who was your two or three favorite teammates with the Yankees? I, I never asked you that. Who were the, I, I, I feel like maybe you once you told me Graham Lloyd, I may, maybe, but who were your favorite guys to play with? Wow. Well, Tino and I played with each other in the same team from 89 when we were in double a in seattle all the way through 2000 so he was probably one of my favorites because we played so many years together with seattle got traded over uh you know you hang out with your bullpen guys you seem like you go out graham lloyd you know stanton stanton really didn't go out a lot i mean you had you know david wells david cone were some of my you know great teammates that i loved to hang out with tim Raines. Strawberry and Gooden were great. I mean, we didn't have bad teammates. We had great guys. And we had like, you would, those years, we would, because of the media, you really, and even on the road, you couldn't actually say where you were going and what you were doing, but you had clicks. You had the Latin guys that would hang together, the, the American, you know, the, the African-American guys, the white guys. And the next thing you know, we would have 15 or 20 of us that would be in the same spot or it's in somebody's suite all at night. And we would all, that's where we would, uh, you know, gather together. So we had great close teams that nobody really, really realized back then oh god i mean i was nowhere near good enough to hit the night even close boy i would have loved to miss. i mean i i oh, just to be just to be on the road you know the meal money the best hotels out you guys are kicking the crap out of everybody and then you roll out you go wherever you want and you just have an awesome party oh i mean guys think about that lifestyle my god oh boy i, th- I, I think about it all the time bt <laughs> <laughs> exactly. oh boy David Cohn was out with me once and he hung out with me. I was DJing uh, karaoke. Uh, this is a real big aside, but he actually hung out. He was awesome. He he signed autographs. Uh, he hung out with people. He, take, he took pictures of them. And he said to me, ah, this is what it feels like to be a has-been. And I turned to him and I said, are you crazy? Try being a never-will-be. And that's pretty much... <laughs> 
pretty much sums it up there. So yeah, I think about it all the time. BT, you could uh, follow him on Twitter at Brandon Tierney. He's the co-host of Tiki and Tierney three to six on CBS Sports Radio and CBS Sports Network. And also my guy on the St. John's basketball radio telecast or radio telecast, radio cast. He's the color analyst. BT, we can't thank you enough, brother. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Share it again. Happy birthday, buddy. Have a great day. Thank you, brother. Uh, you got it. Jake, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it, man. And Nelly, much respect. Thanks for the championship. Good rap with you, boys. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, BT. Great talk to you. That says goodnight to episode 76, the Henner Swanson edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for three for producing the show. Do us a solid and go on to Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Thursday after the Yankees three-game series with the Royals in Kansas City. Enjoy the games, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.